In this episode of the podcast, we are going to have a fun conversation with Alan Stein Jr. Alan is an author and a speaker who helps organizations to achieve more. I know that you're going to enjoy this episode as Alan even talks about his work with some pretty big name NBA basketball players, some of whom are legends. To learn more about Alan, go to his website, www.alansteinjr.com. That's A-L-A-N-S-T-E-I-N-J-R.com. If you are a new listener to the show, you might be asking yourself why a podcast titled Weekly Wealth Podcast isn't just giving some prediction of what the stock markets are going to do or some other discussion of the direction of the economy. You see, I believe that wealth is more than just the accumulation of as much as possible. I believe that it's much deeper than that. I believe that we get more from becoming who we have to be in order to achieve our goals than we do from the achievement of our goals and those rewards themselves. My name is David Chudik. I'm a financial advisor with Parallel Financial, and each week I bring to you information that can help you to become more wealthy, whatever that means to you. In my practice, I help my clients to make the right financial decisions for them for the reasons that are important to them. So here's my offer to you. If there's any financial topic that's keeping you up at night or some other area where you just want to know if you are okay, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. I'm always happy to meet with anyone for 30 minutes via Zoom or in person or even by telephone and point them in the right direction. If there are any next steps, we can decide what those are, but at least you'll be able to use me as a sounding board. Hope that you enjoy the show. And if you're a business owner, if you've ever even thought about selling your business and using the proceeds to fund your retirement, please do yourself a favor and visit my website, www.allofmyassets.com. And I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Alan Stein Jr. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So today we're talking mindsets, and I want to tell you a little story. Um, I've listened to the Jim Rome radio show for literally two decades. I've probably almost gotten into several car accidents, laughing so hard at, at some of his callers. And, and Jim Rome started a new podcast called The Reinvention uh, Project, and he talks about having the next 25 years of his life being better than than the last 25 years. And and he he talked on a few episodes ago to Alan Stein Jr., who's a performance coach. And I said, you know what? I'm going to reach out to this dude and see if I can have Alan Stein on my uh, podcast to talk about some of his concepts. And guess what? He said yes, which is awesome. So, um, uh, hey, Alan, how are you? I am fantastic. It's so great to be with you. I'm I'm very thankful that you reached out. I'm I'm super excited. So uh, I want to brag, or I'd like for you to brag, and maybe name drop some of the people you've worked with and uh, uh, on your performance coaching, and tell me a little bit about your background and and who you work with. So I think it's important for context to let everyone know that basketball was my first love, and I fell in love with the game at five years old. And I'm so grateful that here, forty plus years later, 
basketball still plays a major role in my life. And um, I spent the first portion of my career as a very dedicated player. Uh, was fortunate enough to play all the way up through the collegiate level. I played at Elon University down in North Carolina. Um, and while I was at Elon, I started to develop an equal love for performance training, for strength and conditioning and mindset and nutrition. And when I graduated from Elon in the, the late 90s, I thought, what could be better than combining my original love of basketball with this newfound love of performance training? So I decided to become a basketball performance coach. And I did that for just under 20 years right out of college. And what makes my, my journey somewhat unique is I got to see the world's highest performers from two distinctly different angles. Uh, first was I, I worked mostly with high school age players. But I got to work at two high schools here in the D.C. area that have produced over a dozen players currently in the NBA, uh, Kevin Durant being the most notable. Um, so I got to see what it took for a, a young teenage basketball player to climb that proverbial mountain and, and, and reach their dream and their goal. So I got to see what it took for them to raise their game. But because I was working with two flagship Nike high school programs, uh, Nike hired me uh, for some contract work. Uh, to work their summer skills academies. So then I got to work events for guys like Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis. I mean, the, the list is immense. So I got to, to, to see behind the curtain of what it takes to not only reach the mountaintop, but what it takes to stay there and continue to evolve and grow. So I got to see what it takes to sustain your game. So I've been able to see what it takes to reach the mountaintop and what it takes to stay there and continue to evolve. And, and that vantage point, um, I decided to, to take all of the lessons and strategies and mindsets that I learned and apply those now to the business world. So in 2017, I left the basketball training space and decided to become a keynote speaker and author. And most of the work I do now are with corporate clients, and I teach them how to utilize the exact same principles that elite level basketball players and coaches use. And, and that's what I do do now and, and absolutely love every minute of it. I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to do what I do. Yeah, no, that is just ridiculously cool. So like, what's the difference between, you know, the kid coming out of high school? I mean, all the top prospects can, nobody can really jump any higher, right? They're all insane athletes, right? They're just sick beyond what a normal person like me could imagine. Like, what's the difference between that kid and then the kid who makes it in the NBA and stays for years and years and years? If I had to boil it down to one word, it would be mindset, which was why I was thrilled that that was what we were going to be discussing today. And and certainly an, an offshoot of mindset, because it's part of it, uh, are, are your habits. Uh, mm -hmm. is what you choose to focus and place your attention on, uh, is who you choose to surround yourself with and insulate yourself with. That's all kind of a spoke off of the same wheel of mindset, but those things play a, a massive role as well. Uh, and, and you hit it on the head. I mean, um, when you get to that level, especially in sport, you know, everybody checks the athleticism oh, box. Yeah, yeah. Everybody checks the skill box. You know, almost everyone checks the, the basketball IQ box. So really all that's left to separate you uh, is your heart, your grit, your perspective, your stick-to-itiveness, uh, and your mindset. And, and that is certainly the great, the great separator. So let's take some of those, let's take some of those lessons and let's, let's apply them to me. Let's apply them to you. Let's apply them to listeners. I mean, I'm a dad, I'm a business owner. Um, I'm a financial advisor. Um, so why, you know, there, there are financial advisors or business owners that are always succeeding or, and, and it looks easy. And then there are times 
you know, maybe where, where a guy makes kind of one big sale takes one, gets one big client. So like if I wanted to raise my game to what my potential is, which I know is probably, uh, uh, you know, we can't do this in 15 seconds, but, but how, how, how does a business owner, how does an entrepreneur raise their game to whatever their potential is? There's three components to that. And, and anyone that follows my work, or certainly if someone has seen me speak on stage, you'll know I have a strong affinity for teaching and coaching in threes. Um, I found that there's something inherent about listing things in threes and communicating and teaching in threes that makes things stickier, more meaningful, and more memorable. So I love, love coaching and teaching in threes. So the first is uh, having a strong respect and appreciation for the basics, uh, for the fundamentals, if you will. Uh, basketball has a set of fundamentals. Uh, footwork, shooting mechanics, how you handle the ball, and financial advising has a set of of basics and fundamentals. And those that will succeed over the long term are the ones that work towards mastery of those fundamentals relentlessly during the unseen hours, that, that you make a commitment to sharpening your sword every single day on whatever those basic building blocks are. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't also graduate to doing more advanced techniques and so forth. It means you never leave the basics. I know prior to us hitting record, we were talking a little bit about Nick Saban, um, the, you know, arguably one of the greatest coaches of the last 50 years, but certainly someone that's been a top of college football for the, the last couple of decades. And there is not a single football practice that goes by that he doesn't cover blocking and tackling, throwing and catching. I mean, those are the fundamentals of the game of football. And they're, you know, it, it's not something we do every once in a while. It's not something we go back to when we're not playing well. It is a foundation to which everything else is built. So number one is you respect the fundamentals and you work towards mastery of them during the unseen hours. Number two is you learn how to earn confidence, but you learn how to blend it with humility. And confidence, and I, I used this phrase a moment ago, it's one that I have conveniently borrowed from my good friend, Drew Hanlon, uh, who I believe is the best MBA skills coach on the planet. Uh, Drew came up with this term, unseen hours. And just as it would imply, it's all of the things that you do when no one else is watching. And mm -hmm. I believe our confidence is earned doing those unseen hours. Uh, it's earned through demonstrated performance. It's earned through keeping our word to ourselves. It's earned by the way we choose to talk to ourselves and our self-narrative. So you earn the right to be confident, but you brush that with enough humility that it keeps you open to feedback. It keeps you open to, co to being coached by someone else. It keeps you open to that no matter how good you get, you know you can still get better. Um, I, you obviously know the, the financial space much better than I do, but I'm sure you could list off some titans in the space, some just brilliant financial advisors. And I'm sure that you're one of them, but you could list off uh, a list of, of rock stars. And I can promise you that no matter how good those folks are, no matter how accomplished they are, no matter how big their portfolios are, they still believe they can get better. They mm -hmm. don't believe that they're done yet. They won't let you put them under museum glass and say, this is over. He's finished. They think they can get better. And it's that humility combined with confidence that, that creates just kind of a, a lethal recipe, if you will. And so then the the, last some of one, the NBA players, you know, the Steph Curry's, like, what do their unseen hours look like? Because it's always easy to say, well, those guys are tall. They're good athletes. I mean, you know, and then, you know, like, like some guy, some new player is like kind of a you know, a newbie, you know, but, but like, what does a true NBA player do in their unseen hours? The great ones. 
Well, they understand, and, and this is where kind of the term came from, you know, how well you perform when the lights come on and the cheerleaders start dancing is completely dictated by what you do in an empty gym when no one is watching. And, and I think the average fan, the novice fan, can't conceptualize how much time a Steph Curry or the late great Kobe Bryant would spend working on their craft in, in a game, you know, uh, prior to a game, you know, I mean, Kobe was legendary uh, for super early morning workouts, you know, workouts that would start at three 30 or four in the morning. And the reason he would do that well, and, and he told me this in a conversation was he said, even the most driven and ambitious NBA players are going to work out twice a day during the off season. And if I only work out twice a day, then I'm never going to create separation with them. You know, we're all basically doing the same thing. So I need to work out three times a day. I basically need to do plus one to whatever the best of the best are doing. And the only way I can fit that into a schedule logistically is if I get up really, really, really early. So, you know, Kobe is coming home from his first workout when the, the average player is coming in for their first workout. Kobe's coming home from his second workout when they're come. And he said, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks or months, that probably won't create very much separation. But if you do that every single offseason for years and years, and in Kobe's case, decades, he said, I'll create the type of separation that no one can catch. And I've seen the same thing firsthand with Stephen Curry. I mean, if, if folks only knew how many shots, game shots from game spots at game speed, he takes in an empty gym with usually nothing more than maybe a trainer or a coach or someone to rebound, um, you'd be less surprised when he scores 60 points and knocks down 12 three-pointers. I mean, it's still an, a, an incredible feat, but if you knew how much work he put in in the unseen hours, it almost becomes more of an expectation than a surprise. Yeah. Well, and with him, probably if, if you saw him walking in straight clothes, you would just say, hey, there's a regular dude, right? He doesn't even have the tremendous size that some of these guys have, right? He's, what, 6'2", yeah. just regular dude. Right, and, that's, and that ultimately is what is his separation, is what he wow. does in the unseen. And then the, the third pillar was something you and I started to talk about before we hit record, which is uh, a, a strong appreciation for the process. You know, it's getting crystal clear uh, on your North Star, getting crystal clear on your goal, you know, whether that's a specific financial goal or number, um, but getting crystal clear because that will help provide direction. You know, clarity is in, in very important for providing direction. But once you have that goal in mind, you don't stare at it and obsess over it every second of every day. You take your focus off of the goal and you put it on the process. You put it on the daily behaviors, the habits, the micro steps, and the mindsets that are needed to inch you closer to that. So let's just say for 2023, as a financial advisor, you have a goal that you want to accomplish over the course of that year. Well, once you figure that out, then it's in your best interest to reverse engineer that path and say, okay, in order to be on pace for that, what do I need to do in Q1? Uh, in order to be on pace for that, what do I need to do in January? In order to be on pace for that, what do I need to do in the first week of January? In order to be on pace for that, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do this hour? And when you can get that granular and stay that focused on the process, then ultimately what you're doing is you're just laying brick after brick. And when you lay each brick with care and precision, the wall will eventually take care of itself. So you don't have to think about the wall, you just have to think about how do I lay this brick with care and precision? And it's been my experience for the vast majority of people that focus on the process, it's not a matter of if they'll reach their goal, 
it's a matter of when. And I do believe in setting such lofty goals and dreaming so big that you don't always reach them. You know, you mm-hmm. will fall short of some goals and that's actually a good thing. That means you are stretching and growing, but it's also been my experience that when you fall just a little bit short of a really lofty goal, you still accomplish something pretty darn amazing. Let's take a quick break from the podcast. Did you know that there can come a time when the sale of your company can generate enough income to fund the rest of your life? Well, we call that the freedom point. And if that interests you, go to www.allofmyassets.com slash freedom score, uh, fill out the forms. And once you're done, you'll receive your freedom score report, which is a comprehensive analysis of your financial readiness to enter the next phase of your life. So that's www.allofmyassets.com slash freedom score. And now let's get back to the podcast. But what you're talking about, almost it doesn't sound sexy, right? One break at a time is... I don't want to say boring, but it's dull. It's kind of like working on the free throw as opposed to, you know, the alley-oops and things like that, right? I mean, is that what success is? It's 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 boring and tedious? Absolutely. That is one of the hardest parts, especially with focusing on the basics. I will readily acknowledge that the basics can be mundane. They can be monotonous. And I actually think you hit the nail on the head with the word boring. But there's a couple of things to, to know about that. One, uh, and I would say this all of the time in the basketball space, but it's it still applies with what we're talking about now. Uh, I would ask players, I would say, is winning boring? And the answer is no, winning is not boring. You know, is financial success boring? No, it is not boring. So the result you get is anything but boring. So if, if that's what helps you drill in and stay focused on working on the basics, then that's going to be ultimately be the byproduct. But also keep in mind, as I said, uh, I'm not saying that someone only does the basics. I'm saying that you never leave them. The basics create your foundation. And the wider your foundation, then the higher the potential peak. So um, learning to love the basics will still allow you to graduate up to doing some more advanced things. um, And that will also help. So a perfect example in a basketball workout, and this would be a workout that I actually watched Kobe Bryant do. He'd spend 30 to 40 minutes working on the basics, and then he'd spend another two hours doing some more advanced techniques. So it's the basics are kind of, I don't want to say hidden, but they're kind of couched into some other things, which takes away some of the monotony and and maybe some of the boredom. Okay. So do the great ones, do the Kobe Bryant's, do the Nick Saban's, do the, you know, insert, insert the name. Is winning the goal or is there something behind winning that's actually the goal? Proving somebody wrong that said they couldn't do it or 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 is it just simply holding the trophy or is there something more than holding up the trophy at the end of the season? I think for each of the folks you just named and anyone on a list of high performers that are congruent with that group, I think it'll be slightly different and, and slightly individualized. Like Kobe made no bones about the fact that he wanted to be the greatest player to have ever played the game of basketball. You know, I think that was a driving force for him. He knew that winning championships was both a byproduct of that Mm -hmm. and something that would be used to measure whether or not he was the greatest of all time. So um, I, I think it's, 
it's a little bit of both. You know, there's there's a, a group, and I'm certainly in this group that goes under kind of the John Wooden umbrella that basically said, you know, true success is simply knowing you did the best you could with what you had wherever you were. You know, that, mm-hmm. that it wasn't so much about the outcomes, it was about self-actualization and fulfillment of being the best you could be. Um, because we all know there are times where we do the best we're capable of and still might fall short of a goal still might lose the game, even though we played our hearts out and we played smart and we played together. So um, I think they recognize that as much as they may be driven by outcomes and results, they know that that assigning their own self-worth and self-belief and confidence to outside results is a very slippery slope. Because when you do that, it means that when you're achieving, you feel good about yourself. When you fall short, you feel lousy. And any high performer will tell you that that's always going to be a roller coaster. I mean, you know, we were saying earlier about uh, before we hit record with Nick Saban, you know, uh, Alabama is not having a typical Alabama season at present. At the time of this recording, they've lost two games and you would think the sky is falling. I'm Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, clickbait headlines saying is Nick Saban's reign at the top of college football over simply because they've lost two games and both times they lost two really good opponents. And think of how many division one football programs would give their right arm to have the record that Alabama has. And yet when you're Alabama and you're Nick Saban, it's actually looked at as a disappointing season because you're not in contention at the moment to win the national title. So uh, if you're always tied and tethered to external results and metrics, I think it can lead to oftentimes a, a very hollow and shallow existence. Whereas if you're more driven by, am I doing the best I'm capable of and being as consistently excellent as I can, to me, that's a yardstick that's that's more important. And it's the one that I use. So, uh, you know, when I look at, say, the keynote speaking game, I don't have any desire to be the best keynote speaker in the world. I, I'm not worried about that. I don't spend two seconds worried about that. What I am focused on is being the best keynote speaker that I'm capable of mm-hmm. and delivering the most value to the, the audiences and the, the groups that I speak to. And if me being the best that I'm capable of if someone else wants to rank speakers and put me on a list, that's completely up to them. That means that that is not anywhere uh, a driving force for me. I just want to be the best that I can and be of the most service and add the most value. And when I can do that consistently, then I feel good about myself. Okay. I love that. So you were a very, very, very good basketball player, right? Was NBA ever in kind of in, in the cards for you almost maybe, or, or, or was, or no. Not in reality. Of course, in my head as a child, that was the goal. But as I got older, um, I I realized, and I can say this with a huge smile, uh, it's not in the cards for everybody to play at that level. And and, and here's what's what's interesting about just even, you know, looking at at the sport of basketball and and our perspective is so important. So I played at a very small mid-major school in North Carolina, uh, Mm -hmm. a team that has never made the NCAA tournament. Um, and I was a reserve player. I was a role player. I did not play very much in college. So when compared to someone that plays at Duke or Carolina or Kentucky, or even someone that played in that same conference, but was a starter and played for four straight years compared to that group, I was not a very good college basketball player. But when compared to the average person that plays the game of basketball, just the fact that I was able to play in college puts me in the upper 1% of anyone that's ever dribbled a basketball. And Mm -hmm. I say that with a smile because our perspective and our vantage point um, helps define the way that we see the world. And it's important 
to be able to see both of those. It's important for me to have the confidence to say that all the work that I put in as a child allowed me to, to matriculate up to being in the top 1% of something that was important to me. However, having the humility to acknowledge that when I got into the upper 1%, I was at the bottom of the upper 1%. And, and, and both of those angles are true. They both coexist at the same time. And, and they're both okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, genetics and everything, there's a handful of people that can be the best in the world. And other than that, the rest of our, our mortals. And I think we have to strive to be the best that we can be, which is kind of what I was getting that, you know, did you reach your potential as a basketball player, which is different than mine? It's a heck of a lot better than mine, but it's obviously not as good as other people's potentials. So, you know, and then that's kind of the yardstick. Did you reach your potential? Yes. And the funny thing is, I can say again, with a huge smile, I did not reach my potential as a basketball player, and that is because many of the things that I share and teach and preach today, both on stage and on page, I did not have those mindsets when I was mm-hmm. younger. I did okay. not have I did not have the I'd like to believe the emotional maturity and emotional agility that I have now. Many of the things that I teach and preach now, I've learned the hard way because I didn't have those things. There were plenty of times as a player that I would blame, complain, and make excuses to why I wasn't playing. There were plenty of times where instead of going into the gym for an extra workout, I chose to go to a fraternity party or do something different. So with hindsight being 2020, I can look back and acknowledge that I made many decisions and had many mindsets and attitudes that that undermined my ability to reach my potential. Now, I've forgiven my previous self for that because that was the path I was on. And at that time, I was doing the best I could with the tools that I had. I just okay. simply have more tools now that I'm 46 than I did, you know, in my my late teens and early 20s. So, uh, no, I did not come close to maximizing my potential as a basketball player. With that said, even if I had, I did not have what it would take to play the game professionally. I mean, mm-hmm. at best... I would have just had a better college career at Elon. Um, But because I've learned all of those lessons, I'm doing the best I can not to repeat some of those mistakes. So if you have me on your show 20 years from now and ask me, did I reach my potential as a keynote speaker? I'm hoping my answer is going to be a resounding yes at that time because I've been able to put all of these things in practice. Okay. So let's look at the salesperson. Let's look at the entrepreneur. Let's look at the people. We all have to do difficult things in our daily life to excel. So how do I get the discipline to make that one more cold call or to whatever that thing is that I don't like to do or that my team doesn't like to do, but but has to be done? So how do I do that? How do I make that happen? Well, we do that in a couple of ways. One is we create systems and processes. Um, we We create systems and processes for every single aspect of our business every single aspect of our relationships, of our health and wellness. And this doesn't mean that we become robotic. This doesn't mean that we we don't lean into feelings and emotions. What it means is we don't allow feelings and emotions to dictate how we show up, how we perform, and the decisions we make. Uh, I heard something really profound several years ago that, that I had this kind of epiphanal moment when I heard it, and that is our emotions are designed to inform us. They're not designed to direct us. Wow. So the emotions and feelings that we feel on a daily basis, um, they're part of the human condition and we need to acknowledge them. We should never suppress them or resist them or ignore them. We need to take them in as, as very valuable data into how we're navigating the world, but we can't let that dictate how we move forward. 
So the, the salesperson that is willing to make the extra call when they don't feel like making the extra call is the one that will eventually be successful in the long term. You know, the, the average human being allows their feelings and emotions to dictate how they, they go through the world, whereas an elite performer makes their standard, uh, a standard of excellence um, and their conviction and core values are what ultimately determine what they do. And you, you said a very important word before, uh, and it's one that I think, unfortunately, is, is undersold uh, in today's climate, especially on social media, and that's discipline. I actually think the word motivation is way over glorified and over indexed on social media uh, because it feels good, um, where it's discipline, in my opinion, is way more important than motivation. You know, motivation is like any other human emotion or feeling. It will ebb and flow. You know, most people consider me a highly motivated person. And I will sure. agree that you most of the time, yeah. and most of the time I am, but I'm not that way all of the time. You know, let, let's use physical fitness as an example. Um, I, I take a lot of pride in my own physical fitness. And, and although I don't keep a log, I'm willing to bet if you looked back on this calendar year, I probably work out, I don't know, 250 days out of the 365 days on the calendar. But if you were to, to, to you know, look at how many of those 250 days did I feel motivated and feel like working out? It was probably about 30 of them. You know, the other 220, I didn't work out because I felt like it. I worked out because it was a disciplined decision. And I've created systems and processes in my life that allow me to actualize that. And so it's it's the systems and processes that will allow us to, to, to make that call when we don't feel like making that call or having a system um, for any, you know, when a prospect, um, when, when, when you, you have a lead on a prospect depending on which way they go with the and the fork in the road. You should have a system for if they're showing high interest in your product or service, you should have a system if they're not showing interest in your product or service. And if you can have systems and processes for every step along that roadmap, then I, I think then all you have to focus on is the discipline of execution. Okay, I love that. So let me ask a little, maybe about a, a dark question. Some of these ultra-motivated, disciplined athletes and I'm just talking about from watching 30 for 30s, some of them have some some moral, moral weaknesses as well and make some pretty big mistakes or maybe have other addictions, gambling, things like that. How do you guard against as a as an entrepreneur, as a as a business person, you know, being being super motivated, but maybe not getting so disciplined to where you have no willpower left to resist whatever the things are that tempt you. You know, it's easy to 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 be ultra disciplined as a salesperson, but then need to hit the bottle every night to kind of wind down, which ultimately is not the best thing for you or your family. So talk to me about balance of achieving professionally, but not not paying too big of a price to where your health, your family, your your morals, your ethics, things like that can suffer. It starts with self-awareness. It starts okay. with having an awareness of both, let's call it the good side and the dark side that every single one of us has. I mean, every single one of us has some incredibly endearing characteristics, um, you know, um, um, superpowers, if you will. But then every one of us has a propensity and a, you know, a, a, the ability to go down a darker path and to make mm -hmm. poor decisions. And the first thing we need to do is be aware of that. Be aware of the temptations that strike us the most and, and where we could potentially have pitfalls. 
The second thing we need to do is give ourselves some grace and some compassion that we are human, that that even considering some of these temptations is part of the human condition. No one is completely you know, um, uh, able to abstain even from the thoughts of having those. But then to me, the most important part is having some type of accountability system in place. And that's usually has to do with the company you keep. You know, it was said long before I was ever breathing and will keep being said longer after I'm gone. You know, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So be very diligent and have high discernment with who that group is and make sure that you have people that are willing to hold you accountable when you make less than ideal decisions, when you have a lapse in judgment, when you start going down a dark path, make sure you have people that care enough about you to try to help course correct. And then this goes back to pillar number two that we started our conversation with. If you have the humility to be open to feedback and you have the humility to listen to the people in your inner circle, when they say, hey, you know, using your example, I, I noticed that you've been drinking a little bit more than, than usual. And I know you're stressed and you're performing at a high level, but I'm just concerned about you because I care about you and I love you. Um, I'm just worried that that you have the openness to receive that and self-check mm-hmm. and say, you know what? You're right. I think I am starting to go down a dark path. And 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 one thing I need to say with everything that I've shared with you so far and everything I'm confident I'll share with you in the remainder of our conversation, all of these things are very basic principles. None of these things are easy to do. I know that I deliver most of this in an, a matter of fact tone. None of this stuff is easy. These are still things that I continue to struggle with. You know, I'm not speaking from a place of mastery on anything that I share on stage or I share on page. I still occasionally struggle with staying focused on the basics, with Mm -hmm. remaining confident yet humble enough to hear some really tough feedback and to get coaching from others. I still can get, you know, uh, the, the, the shiny object syndrome and be so fixated on outcomes that I'm not focused on the process to the degree that I need to be. So all of this is tough. And anyone that uses a certain vice, if you will, as a coping mechanism for some other things in their life, it's not easy to come to that conclusion and it's not easy to hear that feedback from people you love. So I just wanna make sure that your listeners and your viewers know, I'm not saying any of this is easy, but I am saying it is basic. And it is my goal in my own personal life to live my life by a handful of very basic and fundamental core values and principles and do the best I can not to deviate from those and to stick to those as consistently as I can. And I find that when I do that, every area of my life is enhanced personally and professionally on stage and off stage. Um, so that's, that's ultimately the game. Okay. You know, the great Jim Rohn uh, says what's easy to do is, is also easy not to do. And, and, you know, going and shooting a hundred or a thousand free throws, that's really not that difficult. Um, you know, but you just got to do it, you know, so it's easy to do, but it's also easy not to do so. And I think that's what either makes us champions or, or, or prevents us, uh, from being, from being champions. So, well, this, I mean, I I wish we had about three hours to chat. This is just fascinating stuff. I love talking to guys like you and, and, and I've, 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 always read the books and, and listened to, uh, listened to the speeches and everything. So this is fascinating to me. But we are the Weekly Wealth Podcast, and we do talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So I always ask my guests, what does wealth mean to them? So Alan Stein, what is wealth to you? What is wealth to your family, to you you and your family personally? 
on a broad spectrum, I view wealth to be synonymous with the word success. And I, and I want to be wealthy in every single area of my life. Uh, certainly, I want to have financial abundance and financial wealth to create freedom, to provide for my children, um, to have amazing experiences. That, that's certainly true. But I want to be wealthy in my relationships. You know, I want to have a strong, deep connection with my children and my family and my friends. I want to be wealthy in my fitness and my my wellness. You know, I want to take care of my mind and body and spirit um, and be wealthy in those areas. So I try to look at it more on a, a holistic view uh, of a trying to to achieve that that wealthy state, if you will. And I do believe that all of these things are interrelated and interconnected. You know, no I believe that no the best way to build actual financial wealth is to have strong relationships, is to have a strong mind, body, and spirit, is to have strong processes and systems, is to feel good about yourself. You know, all of these things are interconnected so that the 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 wealth that might be shown in your bank account or on your balance sheet is simply a byproduct and a result of the wealth that you have in all of these different areas. Mm-hmm. I could could not agree more. It would be interesting you know, out of all the athletes you've worked with, you know, that literally making tens of millions of dollars money that, you know, I can't even really fathom. I bet you there were a few that are pretty miserable because all they had was money, but maybe missing other parts of their lives. Right. Absolutely. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would never name those folks because I, I would never want to diminish somebody uh, uh, publicly, but I can think of several mm-hmm. that, that have had all of the external trappings have had more financial abundance than, like you said, it's, that we can probably dream of, but they did not have wealth in other areas. And it really, it undermined that. And every one of them to a T would easily trade most of that financial wealth for wealth in these other areas. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the spirit of vulnerability, um, there have been times in my twenties and thirties where I made some very poor financial decisions. I made some decisions that really undermined my ability to build some financial wealth. And I'm incredibly thankful though, during those same times, I was still making investments in my personal wellness and wealth, uh, in my physical fitness and my relationships, which has allowed me over the last few years to make amends for some of those mistakes and get back on track and start to build the type of financial abundance that I've always aspired to have. But I created the foundation through relationships, through my physical fitness and mental agility. So once again, these things are all connected and and, and things will ebb and flow. There'll be times during each of our lives where financially maybe we're doing well, but relationally maybe we're not. Then there'll be other times where physically we're doing really well, but maybe financially we're not. And, and, And that's okay. That again is part of the human condition. There's nothing static about being a human being. And, and if we continue to focus on these different areas, then we can continue to create the types of systems and processes to allow them to grow. Perfect. So since you're not passionate about what you do at all, and I don't see any energy at all from you, um, I do see a a, a copy of your book behind you. Tell me a little bit about your book. Tell me a little bit about what you do in the keynote keynote area and uh, how people can find you if if what you're saying is resonating with them, because it sure as heck is resonating with me. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. You do a great job. I'm so grateful that you reached out and we were able to have this conversation. So When I decided to leave the basketball space in 2017, um, one of the first things that I did was decide that I wanted to write a book. Um, I've been a voracious reader for my entire adult life, and I have so much respect and reverence for authors. And there have been a handful of books that, that I make no exaggeration. 
when I was done reading those books, they changed the way that I saw the world. They had that much of a profound impact on my perspective. And, and I thought, man, if I could contribute something to the world around me that someone else would find helpful or useful, that if I could put something on page that, that they could use in their own life to improve their life, that would be a really cool thing to do. While simultaneously knowing that the sheer organization and what it took to write Raise Your Game was going to help me get clarity on my message in my speaking business. So it was really, you know, it, it served two purposes. One, it was kind of a bucket list item to add something to the world that I hope would be of value. But at the same time, it allowed me to get crystal clear on my messaging for my keynotes. So that was the reason for writing Raise Your Game, uh, which came out in 2019. Uh, and then this past April, uh, I had the follow-up book, Sustain Your Game, uh, How to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout, uh, came out for those exact same reasons. It helped to give me clarity on what I was sharing with the world, but it also put something out there that I, I hope folks find helpful. And, and really, these are the messages that I share on stage. I mean, if we really break it down, uh, my keynotes help folks improve either individual performance, which is what we've been talking about today, but also how you improve organizational performance, You know, how you heighten role clarity and communication and accountability, build a winning culture, create a championship caliber team. Leadership you know, is hard. Oh, leadership is so hard. And, and as I said before, I haven't mastered it. Uh, but, but what I have done, and I'm very proud of this, is I've learned along the way. I've surrounded myself and I've learned from some tremendous people, both in basketball and in business. And I've started to, to hone my own philosophy and perspective. And this has put me on a better path. Uh, I'm far from perfect. But boy, am I proud of the progress that I've made over these last several years in particular. And my goal is to keep making that progress. That's the reason I'm also so attracted to Jim Rohn's Reinvention Project podcast, because he talks about making the next 25 years of his life the best. And I absolutely have that same goal. And I even have it on a, on a smaller scale. You know, I plan for 2023 to be the best year of my life. I plan for the next five to 10 years to be the best decade of my life. And I want to keep making that promise every year. And um, doing so will never be by accident and it won't be by chance. It simply needs to be the, the choice, the discipline, and having the mindset to pursue all of the things that we've been talking about. So if any of that resonates with any of your viewers or listeners, the easiest way to find me is my website, allensteinjr.com. I also have a supplemental site, strongerteam.com, that has info on my podcast, my books. I do some exclusive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I have an online course. And then I'm very easily found and very accessible and responsive on social media, at Alan Stein Jr., on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So if anyone listening, if, if you have something you want to share, if you have a question, uh, if there's something I can be of service, shoot me a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm very good about getting back to folks and, and it would certainly be my honor. Uh, nothing I love more than is being on a fun show like this and then continuing the dialogue with engaged listeners after. Yeah, no. And uh, I actually shot you an email. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at the Financial Planning Association uh, chapter leader conference this week. So I'm going I'm to try to get your name in front of some people that. Uh, so there you go. Sometimes you do a good thing in the world and, you, and you're receptive. And there's somebody out there who at least has some some semblance of a chance to kind of point them in the right direction. So the world can be a great oh, place. That would be truly appreciated. Thank you. I know as a speaker, referrals are the lifeblood of my business. So anytime someone like you is kind enough to throw my hat in the ring or, or give an endorsement, that means the world to me. So thank you. And I hope you have a blast at that event. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's going to be cold. That's a, that's the problem. Uh, I live in South Carolina. It's going to be in Denver. So uh, it is going to be a little chilly, but that's okay. So, well, listen, this has just been fascinating. I love kind of 
sports. And I, and I think whether you make it to the highest level of sports or just play in high school or anything, sports teaches so many lessons about grit, about determination, about doing the little things so we could all be the best that we can. I love what you're talking about, about the best in the world, but also just about the lower levels and reaching our own potential. So this has been awesome. And there's a lot that we can take away so we can be the best version of ourselves and business and families and relationships and health and even, even spiritually. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your expertise. And until next episode, I wish everybody a blessed week. Thanks, Alan. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.